This is a moment in wine and hip hop, brought to you by Crew Love, blending wine and hip hop at the highest level. Wine and hip hop, wine and music. Tell me up, know what it is. Check this out. Oh yeah, you be the life of the party. Wine and hip hop really mirrors the the conversations that we have in my office about wine and music. Yeah, what's good, y'all? It's your man, Jermaine Showtime Stone, a.k.a. the Wolf of Wine, a.k.a. the Zara Vibes, a.k.a. Young Thanos. I'm just out here collecting Infinity Stones and chilling with my brother from another, my man, Charlie Rez. Charlie, how you doing, brother? I'm doing all right, man. I'm doing all right. Thank you for having me. Yo, bro, thank you for coming on. And we home right now, man. Yeah. We, at, we at Charlie Bird. Yeah, this is where it all started for me. Did they name the restaurant after you? <laughs> Yo, you know, the, the, for the five years that I was here, it was a joke that I always heard. <laughs> Are you Charlie from Charlie Bird? So uh, after like the first year, I would just say, yeah, this is me. <laughs> but you know what? Like, you've really been the heart and soul of this place Thank for you, a long time. Yeah. Um, I, you know, this, you've, you know, this is like my favorite restaurant yeah. in the city. We met here. We met here. Yeah. Um, been coming here for years. Um, so this restaurant was, um, influential to the way I started my company. You know, what Crew Love is about. It really, um, it was definitely inspired by one of them nights at Charlie Bird when I'm here drinking amazing wine out of Zalto glasses and listening to like Raekwon, <laughs> you know? And um, you, uh, you were the godfather of that, bro. Like, you're, you're really the godfather of bringing hip hop into restaurants. Um, well, into high-end restaurants. Um, <laughs> Super humble, man. It's, cra- it's crazy that that's the truth, though, but this is really where I've first seen that concept happen. How did you get into creating music programs for restaurants? How did that start? It was just, um, honestly, I think I was just in the right place at the right time with asking the right questions, with the right ambition. And I would, I would humbly say with the right sincerity behind it. Um, I, I, I got a job here as, as, as a captain, as a bartender, um, but I, I love the concept when I interviewed for the place. I was told that we were gonna be playing hip hop um, because that's what the owners wanted to listen to, and it didn't resonate for me. You know, um, unfortunately, hip hop culture, especially when you start to talk about high end spots of any type of industry, they, they don't seem to go hand in hand. People don't necessarily equate hip hop with quality, which is completely wrong. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about 2013, we're not talking about 2020. Um, and like you said, there were definitely a lot of places that were always playing hip hop while they were serving food and wine, but they didn't do it the way that we were eventually do it here. So it was just a matter of uh, Robert, um, Robert Bohr, who was an owner and a partner here at the time um, with Chef Ryan Hardy, who was his, his partner when they opened. They both love hip hop. And in an honest and open conversation, looking back with, with Robert, he was like, look, man, he's like, I wanted to play hip hop because I knew I was going to be in the space for 14 hours. I didn't want to listen to any <laughs> whack ass shit. Like, I didn't, I didn't and wanna... He said it exactly oh, like that, sure. I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> Like, I didn't want to listen to any whack shit. He's like, I knew I was going to be there. I wanted to have fun. He's like, so what do I love? I love hip hop, so I'll put it on. So they did it for themselves here. Um, and then what I think it gave him the idea to give me a shot to, to take it over mm. was whenever we would hear music in those first couple months of service, I would always use it as a springboard of conversation and try and get to know them. Um, because I'm a nerd, you know, so I would hear... You know, I would hear a million and one questions, and yeah. I'd be like, "Yo, do you remember the single of that? Do you remember the B side that Jay put out of that, like mm. remix?" Or, you know, um, we would listen to Smith and Wesson, and I'd be like, "Yo, do you know that that I Love You remix with Mary J? You can't get it anywhere. Like, you can't listen to it. Like, yeah. if you don't have that on CD or tape, you can't listen to it." And those types of conversations. One day, Robert came to me, and he's like, "Look, he's like, I know we're all getting tired of listening to the same music because we had two playlists that we had in rotation." He's like, "Yo, go home." Get your iTunes, your iTouch, whatever. He's like, put a bunch of music together. If if it works, come bring it in tomorrow. We'll play it. If it works, we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. And literally from one day to the next, I just came in with a bunch of music and a bunch of ideas, and they they let me run with it. Wow. And it evolved. Um, and I think one of the one of the best, one of the coolest things that they ever did, aside from giving me the opportunity, is that they never tried to take it from me. And what I mean by that is that in in our industry. 
the second that a bartender or a line cook or anybody comes up with an idea, you know, nine times out of ten, that chef, that bar manager, somebody takes it, mm -hmm. runs with it. And, you know, there's always a possibility that that restaurant gets notoriety behind it. But then those owners won't turn around and, you know, give people credit, give the right people the right credit, right? Right. Um, you can put it down, Russell. Yeah. Right? Um, Thank you. And so uh, they never, ever once, to anyone who would ask, said this was us. From the very first moment that the media and, and other restaurant uh, industry people started asking, where where's this coming from? Who's doing this? They were like, that's our guy over there. Yeah, that's a fact. Yeah. That's the fact, man. I mean, it was, um, yeah, and that's how we met, bro. I'm like, it's one of them situations where you come in and the music is consistently good. I like the fact that, you know me, bro, I'm a B-sides type of guy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to be in the spot and hear Dipset Anthem come on, you know, but while I'm drinking some freaking Rouleau or some shit like that, like that, that meant everything for me and it helped me to understand that um, what we wanted to do with Crew Love was possible. Um, now, I gotta let my, my, my wine and hip hop people get to know you on a certain level. We ask every guest who their rap spirit animal is. So if you could pick a rapper that uh, embodied your style and your spirit, who would that be? thought a lot about it because when we first talked about it, my natural reflex was to say Pac and, and it does resonate to a certain degree because when I think about myself and where my head is at, you know, part poet, part warrior, it's kind of what Pac always was, he always mm. embodied that, you know, because there are people that, there are people that only know him from what he did in the media and he was a wild dude, Right. but when you talk to people like Jada and everybody else who knew him, like that was, it was, that was a dude with a beautiful soul, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I'd say that I'm that type of person, but I feel like I have that type of duality. When I thought more about it, um, I would say, and as cliche as it might sound, I'm going to give you a reason why for me this, this works. I think Jay's my spirit animal, and I'm going to tell you Hope. why. Yeah, I think Jay, yeah, Jay-Z, COVID, a God. Um, and I think it's because when I think back on my career in hospitality, I, I never had any ambition to want to do this, right? And, and you look at Jay, like, I, you look at Jay's life, and Jay had no intention of being a hip-hop artist. He didn't want to be a rapper. Yeah. He was, he was, selling, he was selling shit in Marcy, right? Right. He was, he was completely uh, invested in doing that. And while, it, 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 and while I, while, while I tried to figure out what I was doing, you, you can come in, okay. Yeah. While I tried to figure out what I was going to do with my mm. life, I landed in this. Um, Thank you. And then, you know, I think about other similarities. When Jay got into the game, first he was a rapper, but he was a rapper on his own terms, right? He started Rockefeller, so he did right. it in his, own, in his own lane. And then he became uh, an executive, and then he was the president of Def Jam, and then he started his own shoe company, and then he was selling Ace of Spades. And then, like, and like now he's, he's directing Super Bowl halftime yeah, shows. Yeah, I know. Like, his wife, and, and I mean, just to expand on a little bit, like, his team, him and B, like, that big thing that they're doing with the, the HBCUs and Peloton, giving, giving kids that those, those first two years free, like, that man constantly reinvents himself and finds ways to stay relevant mm. but still stick to his roots because it wasn't four or five months ago that he dropped that Black Entrepreneur track with Pharrell. Yeah. Shit is flaming. It, yeah. So, you know, you know, just when you think that you're able to categorize or classify Jay, he comes out with some new shit, right? And I think of myself that way because... I started out in this game not wanting even to do it. Um, but when the right opportunities came, when the right challenges came, I was able to adapt. And like, I started out as a dishwasher. Mm. Well, now, then I was a, a busser, a food runner, a waiter, a captain, bartender, head bartender. I'm a level two psalm now. Mm. I own my own business where I do all of this music where I, for retail spaces. It's like, and, and now I'm trying to figure out a way to become more involved in the wine game with everything that's going on with CMS. Right. right. You know, that's something that I worked my ass off to do and I achieved it and then I just let it sit there while I mm -hmm. focused on my bargain. So, you know, to kind of like round, close that up, I, I consider Jay my spirit animal because that dude's always finding new ways to stay relevant and, and be in the game. And, mm -hmm. and I want to do that. I want, I want to be like that. You know what I'm saying? Do you feel, because um, something I noticed about Jay is that, remember when he wanted to retire? Mm -hmm. I feel like he legitimately wanted to retire and he actually wanted to retire twice in his career you know so do you feel 
that passion? Do you feel compelled the way that he is to constantly create? Yes, uh, without hesitation. Yes, and to to kind of expand on that on that um, uh, point about Jay, I think that he came back both times because he loves it too much. You know what I mean? And it's like when you love something, mm-hmm. you don't want to see it misrepresented, taken taken advantage of, taken for granted. Right. right? And I would say that. You know, and I'm not hating on, on new rap because you of know we, we both love new hip hop. Right? Yeah. And he mentors the, the people that approach him about it. You know, like Cole's a perfect example of that. But I think that he's always going to be attached to this culture because he recognizes what the culture did for him. Yeah. But also humbly, I don't think he would ever say it, but he realizes the importance that he is to us. Yes. We look to him That's for guidance. Deep. Yeah. You know, we look to him for guidance, and he, and it's not like he gets up, read his book profound right yeah. listen to any speeches that he's done he says some relevant shit you know what i mean when he's not murdering people on yeah bars, he does say some relevant yo shit. hove hove was like everybody's big brother yeah growing up you know like just this, i remember like little lessons that i got from hove like never let him see you frown even smile when you down like just random shit like that like understanding how to keep your poker face you know like hove he was full of lessons like that, man. Man, for me, like my favorite Jay track of all time is a is a deep cut. Like you have to really be a Jay fan. It's people talk. Favorite? Oh, ooh, ooh, it's people ooh. talk without question because yeah. and and because he came so angry and a lot of people like when he was going at Nas. I think he was just going at anybody. Yeah, he and was. For me and when, when he's like, I peep you dudes. Was it? Um, I, I see you through. I peep you creep three months in advance. I see right, right through, through you, Judas, Judas. The man that I am, and damn, you don't know the harder you, you go, go at me, me the, the harder I flow. Let's do this. When he's like, I'm just a mirror <laughs> reflecting your image. The minute you switch up your face, I pick up the pace. It's nothing to it. Yo, come on, man. Like, <laughs> yo, yeah. and, and so you know when I when I was thinking about the answer, like yo, if I if this if this if this rapper really is gonna be my spirit animal, like I gotta be able to drop verses that exemplify who I am and why I feel that way and yeah. people talk came to my mind just like that yeah, you know what yeah. I'm saying nah my favorite J rap is um and I, if y'all follow the podcast man you probably heard me say this a hundred times I might have put this in like two or three episodes I might put it in the episode right now but um the Grammy family freestyle man uh-huh. okay bro he blacked out on that like just breaking shit down like that he would not just give you messages. He would give you examples. He's got onion wraps. Yeah. Onion wraps, bro. Every time you think you figured it out, there's another layer. You know what I mean? Like, There's whole lines I'm just getting like four or five years ago, man. You know, that's the best part, I think, about hip-hop and, and being uh, our generation. You yeah. Because we grew up as kids. And, like, I remember listening to Reasonable Doubt at 14 and having my mind blown, right? Yeah. <laughs> now I think I look back and I listen to Reasonable Doubt as a 40-year-old man. And, I'm like, I've gone through some shit. I've done some shit. Like, yeah. it's crazy when you can go back to the things that you grew up on, TV and music, and, and, and um, ingest them from the perspective of an adult. And it, it has more sentiment, more value, and like yeah. music definitely does that for me. Like going back and listening that, like listening to AT Alien, listening to Reasonable Doubt, listening to Illmatic. You know what I mean? Like Thirty Six Chambers. All of those albums have nuggets for adult men. Yeah. I I promise you, we couldn't we couldn't understand when we were kids, but you go back and listen to them now, and it's like it's Bible, it's Bible talk, bro. Yeah. And, and it resonates, and like I think that's why a lot of there are a lot of old school heads that won't give new new school rappers the time of day, but what they don't know is, is like a, an example of a new school rapper that doesn't get um, acclamation or accreditation, not just for his his talent, but also for the way he pays homage is Logic. Mm. So when you talk about under pressure and no pressure, his first and his last albums, yeah. he's not gonna really retire. Yeah, in my opinion. You think so? Uh, I don't think he's gonna retire, but he's got. He, he has an introduction to both albums that mirror the Midnight Marauder introduction, mm. right? He's got, he's got a, a digital voice in, and he talks about all that. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like, all of those things should resonate. Yeah, definitely. Your impact in the restaurant, as we talked about, has been really significant. Like, overall, what impact do you think that hip-hop makes on the New York restaurant scene? Well, I mean... I think I think to answer that we gotta instead of like focusing as uh, specifically on New York hospitality industry, I think I think a good way to answer that is to say that hospitality kind of has take excuse me hip hop has kind of taken over and permeated into American culture. 
right? You know, like Calvin Klein ads in, in on Bleecker Street have have ASAP Rocky on. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so eventually it was gonna come into our industry. It was gonna make its way in one way or another, right? Yeah. Um, like we like we talked about earlier, we weren't the first, but Chef Ryan and Robert really gave hip hop a platform to amplify itself. Um, I remember being a captain on the floor and being taken aback with genuine glee, watching ma our managers tell guests, I'm sorry, but we, this is the music that we play. <laughs> we'll, we'll turn it down. They never really turned it down. Yeah. You know? And it was a thing because it was like, when, we, when I would talk to Robert and Chef Ryan about it, and they're, they're, they're a little bit older than us, but their train of thought was always, you know, we work in this industry, we love this music, right? If, if we want to go somewhere and drink Grand, Grand Cru wine and eat a dry-aged ribeye or whatever and listen to Biggie in the process, why can't we do that? Right. You know, there's no reason that those of us who appreciate the culture, if we know how to go out and, and be involved in hospitality culture too, there's no, way, there's no reason that those two things couldn't coincide, right? That they shouldn't coexist. And, you know, that was represented, was represented in the music, but also in the decor. You know, you've got the Def Jam, Beastie Boy uh, album right here on the, on the wall. In the, in the main dining room, you've got the live the work of Boombox artwork. Um, in the bathrooms here, you've got um, vintage pictures taken in, um, in the East and West Village by Ricky Powell, mm. the unofficial fourth Beastie Boy. So, like, without ever trying to be, to oversaturate, overcompensate, it, it was a genuine homage to hip hop. And, you know, a lot of people didn't get that. Like, right. why Why do these guys want to want to play this type of music or, or amplify this type of culture if you're going to be serving Grand Cru wine in a $60 salsa <laughs> glass? But see, Ryan and Robert's train of thought was quite the opposite. It's like, why not? Why do they why do they have to be segregated for lack of a better word, right? The two experiences, yeah. hip hop culture and fine dining. So that's what they did. They put them together and like I told you earlier, I think what really made us stand out was that as word got out to in, throughout New York City that we were doing what we were doing here, people's interests were peaked, right? Mm. It brought people like you here. It started bringing music people here. Like right. I had the privilege of meeting Steve Stout, uh, Lear Cohen. Um, Gabriella Schwartz, you know, people who are all executive produce executives in, right. in music, and and every time that they came and they and they talked to Robert or talked to Ryan, yo, who's doing your fucking music, right? That guy over there, and I remember meeting these people. These are icons to me, right? right? Like I I I I, I consider the fact that uh, the hip hop culture a gift that they gave me, right? Right? I'm just paying homage to it. And they're telling me, nah, dude, like, we love coming here because you can see the soul in the music, right? Um, and it was because I was just playing hip-hop that I loved. It was a trial and error process, you know, there were things that I played at first that eventually we learned we couldn't play. Not because we were ashamed of hip-hop, but because there has to be a little bit of context, right? You, gotta, yeah. you have to have weight, uh, checks and balances, you know? Yeah, like, you can't play the biggie fucking you interlude. You no exactly. <laughs> you can't play. You can't play the the Wu Tang interlude where they're playing the uh, the hot iron. Uh, yeah, torture. You can't yeah, play you can't torture skit. And I did. That's actually something that we laugh about between uh, Ryan Robert and I. I put the skit on. Oh man, <laughs> what time of day was it? It was dinner. It was definitely okay, dinner. Okay, okay. But you know, it just so happened that it was probably like beginning of the night. So yeah, like, yeah. You know, definitely people heard it. Yeah. So you know, it was a trial and everything, but. They never ever shied away from being hip hop. You mm. know what I'm saying? And I mean, like they let us rock sneakers, we yeah. rock jeans, and every other restaurant. You know, I'm in here with a hoodie on yo, and camo pants. Yeah, and like, and we'll talk about that because yeah. you know this is one of the spaces where we walk in like this and we won't get judged. Not at all. We won't get judged. And you, honestly, what they'll say is like, "Oh, who's that dude? He probably somebody cool." Like the opposite, exactly. Um, and again, there's no reason that we it shouldn't be that way because it's 2020. Right. We live in New York City. It's like if this if this melting pot of diversity isn't welcoming to hip hop culture, which is in the foundation of who we are as a city, what the fuck are we doing? Right. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. And like I always took it as a point of that much pride to have hip hop be amplified that way. And I love that Ryan and Robert always supported me to do so. And it showed. It always showed in our music programs. And as more people started to catch on, kind of, you know, circling back to the question, 
um, I would start to get interest in business from people on the other side of the country. You mm. know, like, um, uh, oh man, the, the name, um, Catonia. Queens of Catonia, the, yeah. the, the, the chef owner of those two spaces in California. Mm -hmm. um, iconic spots, right? They're, uh, he's, he was friends with Chef Ryan, comes to the spot, listens to the program, falls in love with it. In months, I'm doing music for spots in California. And gradually, it evolved that way, right? Mm. Um, I, I recently did a podcast over the summer with um, a, a fellow professional who's based in, in, in Texas. I believe he's in Houston. I hope I got that right. But same thing, man. He's like, yo, he's like, when well, you heard what you guys were doing in New York mm. with hip hop, and it came all the way back to you guys. It's like, yo, it's amazing. And that shit is humbling, bro. It's super humbling because it's like, I've been a fan of hip hop my whole fucking life, right? right. And we're both from the generation where it wasn't cool to be down with hip hop. Yeah, it was. You know? It was. Yeah, it wasn't parents, treated seriously. Our, our bougier friends, they didn't want anything to do with us because we wore chucks yep. and baggy jeans and eight ball <laughs> jackets, right? Like. We weren't cool. Yeah. We were thought of as thugs. Yeah. Right? But what yep. happened when the turn of the century happened and hip hop became cool and hip hop became popular, now everybody wants to wear Air Force all, One. All those kids that was raised on hip hop, they now run the world. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that's really what's going on. It's like, man, I, I think about right now the opportunities that hip hop has afforded me just in the wine industry. Like, and it's because everyone is a fan of hip-hop you know well most people are fans of hip-hop let me not say that but i look at wine and hip-hop as both um social equalizers you know hip-hop has a way of making everybody cool yeah and wine has a way of making everybody sophisticated you know but everybody wants to be both of those things cool and sophisticated <laughs> you know what i mean so why not put them shits together and charlie bird does a great job of that but like you know, bigger than um, bigger than Charlie Bird, I feel like the um, hip hop on a whole is really dominating pop culture, man. Like it's just it's in everything. It's in the NBA. It's in it's in movies. It's in you name it. It's in everything. I mean, I it, and again, it goes back to you know hip hop, and, and I love. When you really do the research into it, hip hop was created out of necessity, right? Mm. You you go back and you watch documentaries like Rumble Kings, which I think is still on Netflix in the Bronx, uh, 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 which is still on Netflix. It, Rumble Kings was all about a documentary about gang um, gang culture in the Bronx in the late seventies, mm. and hip hop started in the Bronx because in the hood everyone was trying to have parties to keep the gangs from fighting, right? You know and that so you know it, it came it came out of necessity and it gave the people in those neighborhoods something something to hold on to right and it became such a point of pride and so cool that it eventually permeated into everything else it happened in fashion it happened in food it happened in everything and then it's like you said in 2020 bro you can walk into starbucks and wait for your food and wait yeah. for your coffee and you're gonna hear a hip-hop beat you're gonna hear some pop yeah. shit but you're gonna hear it right yeah and probably some drake shit but you're gonna hear it no disrespect to Drake. But, <laughs> and then on the flip side of that, like you just said, bro, in sports, it doesn't, it doesn't matter every single day, seven days a week. I promise you, if you watch enough ESPN, you're going to hear a hip-hop beat. Oh, yeah. That's a hear fact. a bunch of instrumentals, a bunch of new shit that's coming out. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's like, exactly, like you said, it's everywhere. And in 2013, when these guys had the, the vision, the opportunity, the space to do that, and they gave it to me, I was like, yo, this is, this is going to be great. It's like you said, hip hop afforded you your opportunities within the wine industry. Look what I'm doing right now. Yeah, man. Because of what I was able to do with hip hop. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't, I wouldn't ever consider myself uh, a, a like uh, a memorable captain or a memorable bartender. I always feel like I've got more shit to learn. But when it comes to this, yeah, this shit I I've been doing since I was five years old, and, and it's not composing music. It's loving hip hop, right? People ask me what I do for a living. I love hip hop. Mm. And I get paid to, to, to show that love. Right. You know That's I mean? fire, man. That's fire. Well, yo, we about to play some Jay-Z, bust down some of this food, and get back at y'all real quick. I had some Jada Kiss in the back, yeah, man. Yeah, Jada. So we gonna rock out, man. Holla at your boy. Wine and hip-hop. I don't want much. Woo. Let me talk these motherfuckers. Uh, guess who's Bizak? 
still smell a crack in my clothes Don't make me have to relapse on these hoes Take it back down the tax in the road When I was hugging it, niggas couldn't do nothing with it Straight from the oven with it, came from the dirt I emerged from it all without a stain on my shirt You could blame my old earth for the shit she instilled in me Still with me, pain plus work Shit, she made me milk this game for all this work, that's right you know what it is, y'all. It's your man, Jermaine Showtime Stone, a.k.a. The Wolf of Wine, a.k.a. The Zara Vibes, a.k.a. Young Thanos. Just here to introduce y'all to our new show, Wine Bars. That's right. If you want more wine and hip-hop, go to our YouTube right now. Search The Original Wine and Hip-Hop and check out our new show, Wine Bars. Where me and my three homeboys debate our favorite raps with wine references in them. This is the next evolution of wine and hip-hop, y'all. You do not want to miss this. So we back, y'all. We just had a break. We just played some hole. We ate some food. Caught up a little bit. Um, and we had, man, like, I feel like when, like, you're such a New York restaurant guy. How would you describe the New York restaurant scene right now? Like, what's the landscape like for those of us, for those people that aren't out here slanging and banging every day. I mean, before COVID, uh, you know, New York obviously was thriving. Um, you know, when people ask about New York City and why everyone likes to come and work here, it's because even when the city doesn't intend to, it constantly reinvents itself. And I think in the process and reinvent, it, it gives a, an opportunity and a space for everyone who lives here to do that. You know, kind of going back to what we were talking to her about earlier, right. how I consider myself you know, a chameleon almost in the way that, and I, I like to compare myself to Jay in the way that he is always adapted to everything, right? Um, I think the restaurant scene here is at a point where it can do just that. You know, I think between uh, the pandemic, well, actually, in my opinion, there are two pandemics, right? And we've talked about this. Yeah. Because, you know, there's the physical, which is the COVID, right? Shutting everyone down, keeping everyone in, in, in quarantine. Um, but you know, George Floyd dying in May kind of shed, re put a, a, an even brighter light on things that, you know, your people have been dealing with since the dawn of time, Right. you know, and through osmosis, parallel 1A, my people deal with as well, right. you know, there's a big misconception in Latino communities that, you know, that all of that mistreatment only happens to black folks. I'm yeah, here nah. To, I'm here to tell y'all that that is 1,000% wrong. Yeah. I, I was held at one point on the Simpson Street train platform for three hours because I resembled someone that they were looking for. That was it. That was That's it. crazy. And I was on my way here to work on a Sunday. And that shit happened to me. So kind of going back to what we were talking about, uh, asking about, about the restaurant scene. There have been a lot of things that have happened within the industry in the last six to eight months mm. between COVID, BLM, and now what's going on with, with the CF, with, with the Court of Master Sommiers, with the Me Too movement right. finally permeating and breaking through. And you knew it was going to yes, happen. You right? knew it was going to happen. Yes. And there are, those are three great examples. Those are three things that have happened and everyone is finally paying attention to them. One, because we don't have a choice. We're all at home, right? right? We're all rolling through our social media. We're all, you know, checking our news, our news sites, whatever those are that are preferred. And all of these things we're, we're finding out information on, right? Mm -hmm. And so restaurant owners in New York are, are mobilizing, you know, re restaurant professionals, hospitality professionals are mobilizing to make changes. And, and this is a moment as we get ready to eventually reopen as a city, right? To, to recognize a lot of these things that are being talked about, shouted about right. um, from, from, the, from the hourlies, from the people that make this business, right? Because the restaurateurs, the owners, the chefs, they all put their sweat, their blood, their sweat, their tears into opening the space, right? And I would never take that away from any of them. But the fact of the matter is, is you know, if we're gonna talk about words like soul, the soul of any restaurant isn't the owner, it's the dishwasher, right? Yeah. It's the busser, it's, it's the glass polisher, it's the hourlies, it's the people that when the manager goes home at eight, nine o'clock when their night is done, we're the ones that stay till the end, right? Right. Um, and for the longest time in hospitality, the soul of the space has never been, uh, has, now, I don't wanna say never, because that would be a discredit to people who have done right by their people, right? right. But for the majority, let's talk about Dave Chappelle, statistics and percentages, right? Mm. Statistically speaking, 
four out of five restaurateurs, restaurant owners, they don't give proper respect to right. their hourlies for one reason or another, you know? Mm. Um, and I think that New York has an opportunity to be, because we, we got hit with COVID first, right? And as a major, as a major metropolitan American city, we also amplify and, and speak out about what's going on within the BLM movement, right? right? So with the Me Too movement in the CMS, in the world of the CMS, kind of also being focused here in New York, we, we have an opportunity to, to listen to all of these people who are hurt and tired of the bullshit, mm. right? And we want to come back. We want to come back to an industry. We want to come back to spaces that support us, that where we feel 1,000% supported, safe, to be ourselves, to be who we are, and to take pride in what we do, right? Because the thing about hospitality, the most successful people in hospitality are transparent to a fault, right? Mm. That Danny Meyer, I, would not, I, don't, I don't agree with a lot of the things that he says or does, but one of the few things that he did say way back when was that true hospitality pros are 51 percenters, right? They're 51 percent emotional. It's mm. unteachable, it's in you, right? right, right, right and right. When, I think about, when I think about the way that I was raised, and I talked about this with a friend of mine before, even when I didn't want to be in hospitality as, as a Latino, I was I was predispositioned, trained to mm. do this because anybody who's listening to this is brown and I'm not I can't speak for your house, but yeah. whenever aunts, uncles, cousins, anybody who was an adult came yeah. to my house, yeah. my job, bro, yeah. go to the front door, take the coat, <laughs> say hello, offer a drink, yeah. make small talk. And I wasn't allowed to go back to my room. Nah, bro. Yeah, you you stood in the living room <laughs> and hung out with the adults until the adults told you. Yeah, it was time go to go. Go do your thing. And, and those, 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 and those were things that we did all the time, right? So without even realizing it, I was training to take care of people. Right. You know, hospitality in its core is your love, your desire, your your feeling of wanting to make people feel good, mm -hmm. of wanting to take care of people, right? That's what we do, yeah. right? And so if we're gonna come, if and when we come back to this industry, right? Um, because, you know, there are some of us that aren't gonna be able to. Right. Depending on how long COVID drags out, some of us are already looking into creating content, you know, uh, you know, pivoting our careers in a different, different avenue. Mm -hmm. So maybe some of us don't get behind the bar or get back on the floor. But for those of us who do, there has to be there has to be recognition of all of the things that people have been screaming about for the last eight months because the fact of the matter is that these are not things that have only happened in the last eight months. These are things that people have been screaming about within our industry for decades. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's true, man. So um, what are some of the steps that you can see that, um, that restaurants can do to kind of change the perception? You know, like how, how does a restaurant change that mindset of the percent, the larger percentage of owners not respecting um, their staff? You know, I think that, and again, I think that it's all about time. Mm. Um, I think that the last generation before ours that was doing what we do, and even in ours for a long time, there was a unspoken acceptance of hazing, mm. of abuse. You know, whether it was because you were in the kitchen and the chef told you that you were the worst fucking line cook in the world, right? Yeah. Or, or you were doing white linen, tablecloth, fine dining, and you brought an entree and in the moment you forgot to serve it on the left and you served it on the right. Yeah. And when you turned the corner and went back to that back hallway where all of you guys were, your floor manager tears you the fuck apart, right? Yeah. And instead of, you know, and, and, there was a moment in time where they could say anything to you, disrespect you on a level unheard of, and it was accepted because that was the way it was, right? Right, right. And I think that in American culture that has happened a lot across all industries. Yeah. I think the first thing that we can do as an industry is to throw that, you know, colonial patriarchy bullshit, you know, you know, man shit out, right? Yeah. Um, you know, because in, 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 you know, with hospitality, it's it's unfortunately rooted in racism, but also in misogyny. Let's look at the election, right? Let's look yeah. at even though the count, the the votes aren't completely all counted. Yeah. The fact of the matter is, statistics don't lie, right? Ninety-two percent of black women across this country voted for Joe Biden. Yeah. Ninety-two percent. You know what I'm saying? That's nine out of every ten black women in yep. this country who went to the polls and voted 
voted for Joe Biden. That's real. There's no way that this election swings that way without the black woman vote, without the black vote in general. And to kind of use that as a springboard, right? In hospitality, more mm -hmm. often than not, and this again, this isn't taking anything away from any fair-skinned brothers and sisters. Yeah. We have to work twice as hard to be recognized just once. Oh, that's a fact. You understand what I'm yeah. saying? And like, or you can't, or if you are doing a, a, a good job, you can't fuck up. Mm -hmm. Like you're not allowed to fuck up. You'll stand, like for me, for example, I stood out. I definitely stood out. And because I, in my industry coming up, and because I stood out, I had a platform to do well. As all I needed to do was do well. But if I fucked up, I was fucked, mm -hmm. you know? So I think that um, that's, a, that's a very good point that you're making, Thank man. Thank you. And so, you know, all of those things are un unfair, unnecessary, unwarranted pressures that black and brown folk get yeah. on that have, they have to carry the second they decide they want to be hospitality professionals, right? So kind of circling back to the to finish answering this question, um, I think that I think that there are a lot of spaces within New York and in the world in general that have honestly taken a moment to reflect and say, this is how, this is what we think we can do. I think the best places, and I mean, it's not, I'm not trying to be subjective because I know them professionally and I have a relationship with them personally, but DHG, the people that own Charlie Bird, right. you know, they were, they were a, a group that used their platforms to speak out and also were very transparent with their current and former BIPOC employees in, in conversations like, is this enough? Should we do more? Mm. How do we do more? That's real. And, and, and while I don't expect every company to, to, to do that, that's genuine. That's real. You know what I mean? Here's the thing, it's like, you grow up in our cultures, we have uh, a radar for bullshit a lot of people don't have. Mm, yeah, and, we get, and we get told from the time that we're kids so many lies and so many broken promises about professional goals and aspirations that we have, that by the time we get to full-fledged adulthood, we're skeptical about anyone that promises us anything, right? Yeah. So if you want to keep people involved and enthusiastic and animated about your group and your space, Give them recognition, give them, make them feel appreciated. And if you, and to kind of like close out and speak about what I do specifically, in 2020, every fucking restaurant in New York City, every fucking restaurant across the country now is starting to play hip hop on a right. regular basis, right? Well, here's the thing um, Robert and Ryan paid me, they cut me a check from day one to right. do that. And, you know, they recognized my, my drive, they recognized my ambition. And we settled on a price and they still pay me to do that, or excuse me, Chef Ryan still pays me to do that for his group today, mm. right? There are a lot of spaces in New York that when we got hot, they started to make playlists for themselves. And, and the more that they talked to me about it and the more that they found out my formula, when they found out that the, uh, the price that was attached to it, they didn't want to fuck with it, right? And, not to, and I'm not going to rant about that because I could rant about it for hours, but here's, here's, here's my point as to why that should be something that matters moving forward for restaurant groups. In any restaurant space, especially the best ones, right? Restaurateurs spend days, months, planning out every single detail about that space, right? Um, the plates, the linen, the, the glasses of wine, the, the artwork on the walls, right? If you're gonna use music in your space and it's gonna be something that you want, that you expect people to talk about, that's gotta be something that you can't just, you know, pick a, pick a radio yeah, station on nah. Spotify, hit shuffle, and then say, that's what you guys got. Yeah. Because First and foremost, it fucks with the vibe of your dining room, right? Um, there will never be a, a, a constant energy. And the thing about music is it's just like anything else that you consume. Right. There has to be a pattern to it, right? Mm. You don't sit down at a meal, start with the ribeye, finish with the amuse-bouche. Right right, 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 right. So when you're curating a hip-hop list, because that's what you should be doing, mm -hmm. when you're organizing music to put it within a space, you should be thinking about the energy at 5.30 in your dining room versus the energy at 9 o'clock. Yeah, yeah. So to kind of sum up all of that, I think that this is an opportunity as restaurants start to open to look at, all right, who are we as a space? Do we do we really embrace and play hip hop culture? Like, like is hip hop really part of our thing? Like you think about Dirty Franks, they, they wear Jordans in their yeah. dining room, right? Yeah. You think about the Nomad Bar, they play hip hop, yeah. right? No one plays hip hop. So many, so many restaurants, so many spaces. Little Tree plays hip hop. Yeah. They don't have music directors. These are all, you know, a lot of them are managers 
or, or employees that, you know, pick a radio station, hit shuffle, yeah. and it's a discredit to your space. It's a discredit to what we did here, mm-hmm. you know? So not, whatever, not to rant about yeah. what we did or whatever, but to, to wrap it all up, there are details in restaurant spaces that are amplified and, and, and celebrated by, by, by minorities in general, especially in spaces like this that celebrate hip hop. Right. And and they need to be recognized and 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 supported in in the in the worst times, not just in the best times. You know, I think about Kendrick and and Mortal Man. You know, mm. and, and the chorus is like, when shit hits the fan, are you still a fan? You yeah. know, and it's like all of these restaurants that were playing blaring hip hop before George Floyd got killed. Yeah. Where were they when everybody was hitting the streets? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and I think kind of that's kind of what I was alluding to in my rant about hip hop music and, and hospitality is like, it's 2020 and the people that are gonna work for you, they're not stupid. And, and, and the woke isn't a good word. I think educated is a better word. Mm. There are plenty of young black and brown men and women that, are, that can contribute a lot. But my hope is that they, they know they're worth more than we did 20 years ago right. in right. our industry. And, and if they do, then they should demand that, right? If there's a if there's a 20 year old kid out there that's gonna walk into a hip hop restaurant and the owner is gonna say, yo, I love the way you vibe with music, I want you to make my playlist, fam, make sure they pay you. Yeah. Don't tell don't let them don't let them give you the bullshit, yo, I'm gonna let you write your own schedule, I'm gonna let you do this, I'll give you a manager meal. None of that shit pays Get rent. That chicken. None of that shit pays rent, bro. You know what I'm saying? And at the end of the day, your talent should be should be compensated for and going back to what we were talking about at the beginning robert and ryan were always like yo you should be paid for what you're good at you're good at this charlie yeah we're gonna pay you for this and you know if there ever gets to a point where we don't agree we can talk about it but they never disagreed and as the program evolved as my involvement as my involvement within the group evolved and i went from doing music at charlie bird to doing music at charlie bird and pasquale to doing music at charlie bird pasquale legacy Aidas outdoor events, blah, 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 mm-hmm. they've never stopped from compensating me. You yeah. know what I mean? And like, that's They important. understand that yeah. you're a part of the, a part the of the formula. system, yeah. right? Because, uh, you know, kind of, on, on front, you know, uh, a, a bigger perspective, again, going back to what we were talking about earlier, maybe it's not music. Maybe there's a BIPOC chef or star bartender that mm. revolutionizes a dish or a classic cocktail recipe. And that is enough of a platform for any restaurant space to blow up, bro. And you know that. Yeah, that's a fact. You know that's that. A fact. You know, all, all the restaurant space needs is word of mouth and notoriety about something that they're doing that nobody else is doing like they are. Yeah. In 2013, we were doing it with hip hop. And now there are lots of places that want to play hip hop, don't want to pay for it. It's, it's honestly, hip hop and restaurants is the status quo now. Yeah. Like, it's weird when they're not playing hip hop. Like, what the fuck is this? Like, you really feel like that when you go to a spot. You know what, dude? Kind of like to uh, harp on that. I mean, I've been talking about all these other places that I think could do more. But if I could give credit to one space in New York that always stands out when I think about their representation of hip-hop, it's Crown Shot. Mm, I've never been. Jeff Jeff Katz. Um, um, Jeff Katz opened oh, up Crown Shot down yeah. in, in Fidei. They First of all, their food and their wine and their drinks, all of it, great, right? Mm. But they... 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 I don't know who does their music, but the one time or the two times that I sat in their dining room, um, I mean, the the nerd in me would have arranged it differently, but their selections were solid, right? And what I loved about it was that it was all real hip hop. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It was, graffiti writer. Yeah. Um, Jeff, Jeff? One of the chefs is an old graffiti writer. Oh, Chef Kent? I think yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. That's so, crazy. so, the, so again, like Crown Shy, so, and like their, their GM, one of their front of the house owner operator, Jeff Kent, um, hip hop head, Puerto Rican mm. kid from the city. So it's like they put hip hop into their space and it came and it grew organically. And like that shit resonates, bro. It's yeah. Like we were talking about earlier, kids like us that are hip hop kids, we walk into a space and if they're trying to represent us and it's bullshit, yeah. we feel it. A- automatically. We fucking feel it. Automatically. You know? And it's, it's the same way vice versa too. Like you feel that much more connected when it's being embraced. Yeah. Like organically. Um, and it, that's a big part of why um, why Charlie Bird really stuck with me the way that it did, bro. Like literally since day one, man. I have I have my thirtieth birthday party in this exact room. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's this is just um, 
I feel like it's done right here, man. And it's it's huge that that you've been so influential in, in making that happen. So, um, what's next for you? Like, what's the next? What's next on your on your list? Man? I mean, I I I consider myself still young enough to be able to wait COVID out and and put myself back into a space where I can bartend again. Um, while the opportunity to bartend is absolutely available right now, mm -hmm. um, there are specific um, variables about bartending that I, that you can't do right now right. that would make it not fun for me. You know. Um, when we were speaking earlier we were talking about like you know you want to be able to be proud about where you're working at also um and i think everybody not that you can't take pride in where you're working right now but every space every day is a new experience because with covid still prevalent every day you have to adapt to new things new guidelines new caps new ways of doing things mm -hmm. everyone that's working in a restaurant right now is working you know that day the day, the day that they clock in they're figuring the day out yeah and for me personally, I'm just a little bit too old to kind of keep doing that every day. <laughs> um, so what I've done, what I've been very blessed and fortunate to still be able to do right now is, that, you know, there are restaurants that are, are open that do love what we do in terms of hip hop. They've reached out to me like I'm still doing music for Charlie Bird, Pasquale Jones. Uh, this group has a couple of other projects that they're working on their, of spaces that are going to be opening. Um, and I'm uh, very lucky to be able to be, hopefully be working with them on those as well. Um, and honestly, you know, until COVID allows me to go to bartend again, I'm just gonna hustle. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I as a, as like a big nerd growing up, I was collecting a bunch of collectible toys and, and you know video games and stuff. I got on Mercari during COVID, and I've been selling a bunch of that stuff off <laughs> and just stacking my bread that way. Yeah. Um, I've also gotten into content creation, so um, I pitched a couple articles to a couple different media outlets about this very topic about racism and hospitality mm. um, and I got a couple of bites there was one com there was one media outlet that um, hired me to write the article unfortunately they wanted me to do more of like a like a trash piece you know trashing mm. people um, and I and I and the way that I wrote it I just I wasn't you know buying into that right so you know that that part didn't work out but that's kind of basically what it, it inspired me to, to pivot and, and create content um, I've always had a lot to say about things. Um, mm -hmm. I consider myself um, intelligent enough to do the proper research before I make any outlandish statements. Yeah. Um, and so, in terms of like music and hospitality and activism, I'm kind of working on those things. Uh, but then I'm also kind of pivoting. Uh, I'm a huge pro wrestling fan. Mm. Uh, and and uh, just like in everything else in America, bro, when 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 um, George Floyd died, yeah. pro wrestling didn't say or do shit, right? So I do a little bit of research. Vince McMahon, the WWE. Uh, top three largest corporate sponsors of the Donald Trump re-election campaign. Yeah. Right? Yeah, no. So that. that shit broke my heart. I walked away from wrestling for three or four months. Then I started to think about it. I'm you know, like, there's a lot of black and brown wrestlers that need their people's support, right? Mm. So what I started to do was I, I started to dig in social media and YouTube and I actually found podcasts and, and production by black and brown in, uh, wrestling media commentators that are doing their thing. That's crazy. And I, that shit was all new to me because, like, I never experienced that. Yeah. These are educated, like, well, well-spoken black and brown people talking about pro wrestling. Right. And right. that for me is like that's a vibe. Yeah. For me. Like yeah. And, like, yeah. That might seem outlandish to people, but bro, like we're there are a lot of us that are educated that love pro wrestling. I'm just gonna put that out there. Um, and so I'm kind of focusing on that and music. I'm, I'm mm. trying to create content where I can share my opinions and my thoughts about what's going on with music and hospitality, but also what's going on with pro wrestling. And, and that's basically what I'm doing in my immediate future until I can hopefully one day start to bartend again. Got you. Yo, man, you, you're doing your fucking thing. I was just going to say, bro, like, the people need to hear you, man. You need a show. <laughs> Thank you. You know what I'm saying? I was literally, as we were talking, I was thinking that. So I'm glad to hear you doing something you know we gotta link up man yeah you know what i'm saying there might, there might be a charlie rez podcast coming i don't know man watch out for it you never know 2021 <laughs> we might be able to get my man out here so but nah man uh oh we got we got the big homie you want to come say oh, wow. what's up on, on camera man come on in <laughs> we got the big homie here real quick um come on in dude yeah it's all cool just say what up got my man grant in the building 
see you, bro. Good to see you. Good to see you, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, man. Nah, that this this is like you know I'm just you know I'm a fan, bro. Thank you. And I'm I'm glad that um you here busting these lists out. You know I'm always gonna support everything you got going on. So Thank you. Please. Same, man. Same. It's 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 whenever. Uh, I get together with you and like my buddy Eric and other. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's Shout out to my man Eric, Eric Fleming, man. Yo, man, love to Eric Fleming. Um, he recently got accepted to the Paris Way uh, scholarship. Program. I saw that, bro. I saw that, yo, man. Yo, doing big things, doing big things. And so I love to be able to connect with with uh, with our, our people and and yeah. feel like we're doing things because it's tough, dude. It's like we always talk about it. It's like. It's super refreshing because when I wasn't living in New York and I was working out out of state, a lot of the faces were fair fair skin. Yeah. And people like me and you, we don't we never got shine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you know, more than anything, I think if I have to give myself a mission, because I'm forty, I, yeah. I really realistically only have what, 10, 15 more years of the game if I'm mm-hmm. productive with it. Um, I wanna make sure that the people that come after us you know take advantage of the things that not not even that we did but the people that before you know like yeah. everybody who's come through our industry has blazed trails right but you know what don't sleep on the trails that you blazing right now you know that's something that i had to learn like humility is cool but it's also good to celebrate your victories you know and that's that's the area that i think i i definitely need to do better in but you changing the you've changed the game Thanks. And you're continuing to change the game. So, you know, I really feel like the things that we've done, you know, the, the things that we're doing are actively changing the game. And, you know, people every day, they, you know, they hit us up and they're like inspired by what we're doing. So I feel like I'm doing a small fraction. I'm touching a fraction of the people that you're able to touch every night here in this restaurant. Thanks, Cheers to you, man. I gotta say, always gonna be one of my favorite spots. Definitely, you already know. I'm I'm waiting for the day that we can produce the Charlie Reyes show. You know what I'm saying? It's happening. It's happening sooner than later, y'all. You know, y'all just gotta hit us up on the IG. Make sure you hit him up. Hi. Uh, underscore M. Underscore Audio Culture. Tell him we want to see you with the Wine and Hip Hop crew more often, man. So, but yo, thank you for for joining us on the show, bro. This was fire. Yo, this is great, man. Thank you for having me. Great fucking I seeing need, you, bro. Way too long. Yo, man, we got to do this. We got to set up like a monthly, man. Yeah. We got to set up like a monthly. I'm joint. down. Yo, I'm yeah. down to be on the um the podcast where you have people on and you talk about like the, the wine, wine bars. The, the wine bars. Yo, we got to get them on it. You got some bars? Yeah, okay. Today. I got Rhapsody wine bars that you was probably sleeping on. Yo, you know we like, about to see. This is what the fuck we talking about. All right, man. We got. We got to do some. The next judge. <laughs> we got to judge, man. But yeah, yo, thank you for joining us. It's another episode of Wine and Hip Hop, y'all. Cheers, man. This was a moment in Wine and Hip Hop brought to you by Crew Love.